in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Four o'clock is here. Big four four is up in just a second. Willie Ramirez, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Two hours on the way, and then the guys are back tomorrow. Willie and Gooch start up 9 o'clock until 11 o'clock. Tomorrow's a very busy day. 11.30 pregame from Learfield. 11 a.m. pregame from Lotus Broadcasting with Magnum, all leading to a noon kickoff. UNLV at Allegiant taking on North Texas. I do have... Multiple pairs of tickets down here at Treasure Island. The parking is free, so stop in, get a drink, grab some food, and grab some Rebel tickets for a big game tomorrow. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So, Willie, the last couple days you were on assignment, you know, other jobs, uh, more important jobs, but... Uh, we got into Robert Sarver and the suspension by the NBA. One year, $10 million. The guy's a pig. Hostile work environment, speaking to women like they're uh, second-class citizens. Second citizens. Throwing around the N-word like he thought it was funny. And when I saw the penalty, I was like, wow, this seems kind of sterling-like in terms of the violations. And he's he's going to be welcomed back into the NBA and. He owns the Suns. He also earns the Mercury. Has anyone spoken up yet around the WNBA? Like, wait, this guy's going to come back as an owner in the WNBA? Yeah, I haven't heard. That's It's funny you say that, cause, and, and I saw this when you sent it over. I I haven't, and I haven't really seen anybody speak out. I was, I was, You know, the one person I was expecting to say, and I, and I should check her timeline, but she has been with the crew, um, the broadcast crew, um, for the WNBA Finals is Natasha Cloud. Natasha Cloud has been very vocal all season on different subjects, different things that have come up from a, um, you know, I guess a political standpoint, but other things have just been involved from Brittany Griner to the abortion ruling, all that. I mean, this is a very outspoken league to the point it where is, it is Kelly like, Loeffler was the uh, owner, minority of the- owner of the Atlanta Dream right. and was acting a fool, and they basically pushed her out. I cannot imagine that. The majority of Mercury players are going to be cool with Robert Sarver yeah. coming back in a year after what we've heard about his workplace behavior, especially around women. Well, and when you have who is largely considered by and voted by all the players, right? They did a complete vote a couple of years. When you have who's considered the GOAT, Diana Taurasi, she has a big voice. I would venture to say she might have a bigger voice than the owner, period, before this came out. You know what I mean? She says something, you listen. So, um, and that obviously is a is an organization that has gone through a lot. The the Phoenix Mercury, I, I say, because of what's going on with Brittany Griner. But yeah, I, I have yet to see them to take a stand. I think the focus is on the WNBA Finals, and maybe they're waiting for it to get over to make their statement. So it doesn't. They don't want to overshadow things, I would guess. But Natasha Cloud is the person I'm waiting to hear because when she goes off, everybody listens. One of the uh, minority owners of the Suns is already called for the resignation of Robert Sarver. I know some business partners like PayPal said Sarver comes back, uh, no more sponsorship of the Sun, so they're ready to pull out. Number three. 
Number three. Mark Davis, decision at hand on Sunday. His aces did not sweep to win the title. They're still in a series. It's 2-1. Aces and Raiders play around the same time on Sunday. So I guess Mark Davis will have to miss the WNBA Finals. Oops, maybe not. What? He's got to be there to watch them just in case they bring home the city's seventh professional championship. Right? He how many he's been to how many openers? Home openers and he skipped game 1 of the WNBA finals to be at the season opener. So, fair is fair. The title is up for grabs. He has to be in Connecticut. He is definitely doing the right thing in being Listen, the players are not taking they're not running out of the tunnel going, "Oh man, he's not here." Like they're not Yes, everybody's the, you know, it's the Raiders, it's it's commitment to excellence, just win baby. I get it all that, but they're not going to be they're not going to be pissed. They're not going to it's not going to be on their minds. It's not going to be on Derek Carr's mind second quarter, fourth and 3. Oh my god. And, and man, I wish Mark Davis was here. They're going to be focused. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Where's MD? Yeah, it's, he's going to be out there so when it's time to raise the trophy and the person that he paid a million dollars to bring in to sort of uplift these women and his woman president and his woman general manager, right? Of course he's going to be there in Connecticut in case the Las Vegas Aces bring home the city's seventh pro sports championship. Number two. Chargers lose last night to the Chiefs division rivals. Chiefs get the job done. 27-24. Mistakes by the Chargers. It's kind of hard to call dropped interceptions mistakes. you got to make the play to get in position to potentially intercept the ball. But Asante Samuel Jr. had a couple of chances to turn the game around. Uh, Chargers were terrible on third down. And also the the Chiefs defense did a really good job pressuring the Chargers. The Chargers O-line just fell apart with injuries. Uh, Filer, the left guard, sucked. Uh, Chris Jones freaking dominated him. And that gave Herbert a lot of trouble. They also planted Herbert. And it turns out he's got some sort of rib cartilage injury, which is a day-to-day injury. Sounds pretty serious. Well, I'm guessing have to play uh, wear some sort of jacket. Uh, The joke was out there already. Uh, I'm sure Herbert, if they offer to give him some sort of painkiller around the ribs, he's going to be like, no, Tyrod Taylor with the difficulties there. Yeah. (laughs) When you were watching the game at the end, because it was – I don't even know what the right word is. It was very dramatic down the stretch. And I think lots of fans, whether you're a Charger fan or not, am I speaking out of turn, like Justin Herbert? He seems like a likable kid. Yeah. And he was out, when he was out there, like, wincing and doubling over and, like, he he had a a massive throw on a fourth down. The play before that, he could have run for the first down and, like, something seemed like it grabbed and he just threw the ball on the ground. Yeah. I I just, I noticed on social media there was a ton of, like, please pull the plug Live to fight another day. Get him off the field. He gutted it out. They almost came back. What were you feeling as you're watching him? You know, really struggling with what was honestly looked like a severe injury, maybe a broken rib. Honestly, I was thinking back to I was thinking back to 1996 when I was playing when we played flag football every I think Monday or Tuesday nights at Lorenzi Park. What happened? You have a rib injury. Went up. Went up defending the in the end zone, and the guy I was coming up against, his knee went right into my rib cage, and I went to uh, UMC afterwards. Torn cartilage in the ribs. Oh, really? And let me tell you something. 
It is one of the most painful things because no matter what you do, see how I just raised my voice? No, see how I just, yeah. I'm sitting still. Yeah. Just enunciate, just like that, yeah, like, it, it hurts. Everything you do. So it, there's no painkiller. If you're going to do that, you're going to need a shot. You may need a shot at halftime also. Because here's the thing. If you're a quarterback and, and you, it's out there, that's on the injury report, and then you get a shot, whatever it may be, quarters or whatever, if it, and you go out there and flak jacket or not, I got news for you. Clean hit or not, or not, let me rephrase it. Clean hit, period. They're coming after you, and they're going for that ribs, and all's fair in love and football. You have to take that hit, and if you're a defensive end or whatever, you go for it. As long as, you, as, long as the hit is clean, you got to go for it because you're in the game. You're playing. What are you going to do? You're going to run up and go, okay, two-hand touch. Let me just tap him and go down just so. No, I'm sticking. I'm sticking the shoulder pad right in his ribs. So <laughs> it's a painful situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you're going to play, you know, so I get where the fans are coming from. And, and, and it's, it, it, it would have been that a That was tough a lot of media, too, who were like, Please stop. Yeah, it's a tough decision, and and, and I'm reading. You know, you read the quotes afterwards, like from uh, from Brandon Staley, Coach Brandon Staley, and, and they're like, you know, well, is he's going to be okay? And he said, well, how do you know? He says, no, because he's Justin Herbert. So it could have been a case where he's like, no, I'm not coming out of the game. Mamba mentality. Right. Well, I also think Staley's probably covering for the injury. Not this make, 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 no, but even even he might have more knowledge of how serious the injury is. But I wouldn't. I I would never say that I had any knowledge that it was serious? Because a lot of people are like, how does he know? Because he's a coach, and he doesn't want to give away anything. So this week, hey, he's hurt, but he's, you're trying to send the message he's not severely hurt. This is a game in football, man. Well, it's a game this, in hockey, too. It happens before. all the time. This was all before the it came out that it was a re- That's what I'm talking about. He, After said, the game, no one knew oh, what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. people were hearing Staley say he'll be okay, and they're like, yeah. how do you know? And then, you know, T.J. Hushmanzad is like, you know, I broke my ribs, you know, 10 or 12 times here in the whole laundry list. Like, folks, we already did this by reacting on the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, where everyone ran to the web and they're like, I, you know what? That's a torn ACL. I know what that looks like. That is a torn ACL. Like, you don't know until they do the test. So everyone calm down. But, you know, anyone out there, if someone thought that Herbert was a, uh, a wuss or a pansy, showed that he is a pretty tough guy because, man, that pass on fourth down was freaking ridiculous. Number one. So one of the things I'm most excited about with Allegiant Stadium is what could be built around the stadium to turn that into an entertainment destination. It already is just for the stadium, but we know there's a lot of industrial buildings there, and eventually some of those are going to be bought up. Some of that property is going to be bought up, and there's going to be some stuff put over there like destination, restaurants, bars, I hope at some point a dispensary so Raiders fans calm down so we're not all fighting each other. There's I'm a not a fan. dispensary right down the street. I mean, like right across the street, dispensary right there. Okay. That's, that's actually that's that's what I would that's what I would love to see. So anyway, yeah. Raiders have scooped up some property. They already bought some property last year. They scooped up another piece of property, um, sixteen million dollars. So know, I'm assuming that's not for a parking garage or a parking lot. There must be bigger plans. I you know what I'm waiting for. What's right across from the street from Disneyland? Disneyland Hotel. I want to hear Raiders Resort. 
Raiders, Raiders Resort. I mean, what else? Why call it anything else? Raiders Resort. Yeah, hey, I'm going in. I'm flying in for the Raiders football game, baby. Right. Where are you staying? Raiders Resort. You got the Raiders. You got a, you, you, uh, what do they got out at the M, right? Right by the facility. You got the Raiders Grill. You got a Raiders store. Everything would be Raiders. It would be fantastic. Yeah, previous piece of property bought by uh, something called Osprey and a Huntington Hotel Group. Um, two acres. They actually got that in 2018 for $6.5 million. So the property's going up and up and up just like it is on the Strip. And at the time, they were talking about a 300-room hotel, restaurants, bars, and entertainment space. And I hope, you know, everyone's treated fairly down there. They're going to get a lot of money if they own something already. And eventually we get, you know, you walk across the Haas, as our buddy Arash Marchese likes to say, and then there's some destination stuff down there. Crazy Horse 3 is awesome. The gas stations are really cool, but it would be cool right there across the street from the stadium yeah. to have some landing spots to hang out. Yeah, it's gonna. It, it, it would. De- it's just kind of would help. The, it would help the departure from the stadium because maybe people would go across the street and then you wouldn't just get slammage with cars trying to get the hell out of there. Start slammage, slammage. Yeah, anything, anything that improves the growth and the revenue for this town, I'm in for. Um, I've said it time and time again as an old school guy here, right, since '72, and somewhat of a curmudgeon of what the corporate structure has done to my old town Vegas. But when it comes to, you know, the the growth and the revenue, and it would, I don't know how fast it could go up, but. I've seen some some yes. miraculous things yes. to go up. Yes. Uh, let's not forget the Super Bowl is coming. Uh, that that too. So yeah, you, holy cow! Yeah, the value of that property there. Woo-hoo. So it's gonna be a tough purchase. Yeah, it would be cool to have hotels and restaurants and bars uh, right across the street from Allegiant Stadium. Giveaway time: three six four eleven hundred. Alice Cooper, Ace Freely, October eighth, Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. AXS.com is we can grab your tickets. Ari's got a pair right now: three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven coming up. Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider. We'll get a, in a little more to uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers game. He's also a former Chief. And then we'll start to diagnose what happened last week to the Raiders and how it's got to get better this week against the Cardinals. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. And to keep it alive. Fires it. Caught inside the 10-yard line by DeAndre Carter. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Route on Cofield and Company. Yep, Stanford Route is here with Willie and Cofield. Treasure Island is our spot on Football Friday. Stanford. Fellas, fellas, what's going on? Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. So we played a highlight coming in. That was that fourth down play after on third down. Uh, Justin Herbert basically just chucked the ball at the ground because he was in so much pain. What did mm-hmm. you think of his effort last night? And were you like lots of the country? I saw a lot of people on social media who were like, get him out of the game. Oh, man, uh, that was definitely a gutsy performance. You know, uh, like he's running and you could clearly see that he can go for the first down, but he just throws the ball away uh, all because it's just you can tell he's grimacing. He's in that much pain. And then, bam, comes back on the next fourth down and then throws a strike down the middle of the field to, I believe it was DeAndre Carter. Yep. And it just goes to show that, man, uh, Justin Herbert is definitely top five quarterback in the league and uh, showing a lot of toughness, a lot of grit last night, like what Coach Brandon Staley was saying. So that was definitely impressive to see. And he's going to be somebody that the AFC West is going to have to deal with for many years to come. What do you think of the pick six by Kansas City first? The, uh, the kid Watson picking it off, but also the highlight 
they made it pretty clear that Gerald Everett was tired as hell and just kind of stopped, and there was a little miscommunication, just slid to his left, and Herbert's like, I'm throwing it where you are. You can't just give up. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it, it clearly was a miscommunication, and pretty much Justin Herbert threw it right to him. Uh, and then obviously, you know, he went ahead and, and made a play looking at somebody who just three years ago, from what I was reading on the Internet, was looking for a place to play football. And now here he is in his second career game with a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So definitely kudos to him. But, yeah, you know, that was definitely um, a bad situation or just a, just a bad decision for Justin Herbert on that play because, like I said, look how he threw it right to the DB. Stanford routes with us, the former Oakland Raider, former Chief as well. So, you know, the sucky thing about watching a game live is we don't get the all 22. So we really couldn't see on a lot of the plays where Herbert was, you know, check down underneath, check down underneath, what the coverage was like during the field or during the game. Um, and I saw you know, a lot of people afterwards were like, very conservative game plan by the Chargers. But I, I, I do wonder what was going on downfield because I'm guessing that there wasn't a whole lot uh, in open space beyond 10 yards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when you really look at those stats and you see and you hear how a lot of the passes were behind the line of scrimmage, they weren't really that far down the field. It just goes to show that obviously Kansas City was doing something in the back end that was confusing Justin Herbert, or he just simply did not feel comfortable throwing the ball down the field. A lot of it probably had to do with Keenan Allen also being out, and they're probably able to key on Mike Williams a little bit more and things like that. But definitely, I'm right there with you. You know, uh, whenever you look at the all-22 cut-up, you're able to see things that obviously you're not able to identify on the TV copy. Stanford, I, I was posed this question by Mr. Cofield earlier, so I'll ask you. Um, your thoughts now on where these two teams, because we went into the season saying Chargers are favored to win the AFC West, are going to take over, you know, the supremacy over from Kansas City. Now, last night, just in how you saw Kansas City's defense come to play after and then after they played in week one, what are your thoughts on where these two teams are at? Uh, I think that uh, I think it's a different game if you see if you're uh, if you're watching Keenan Allen play for the Los Angeles Chargers last night. That's number one. I think for the Kansas City Chiefs, still having Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, still having Chris Jones, you know, all of those boys on the defense side of the ball. Uh, my man Justin Reed, newcomer, free safety for them, who's going to be he's going to pay big dividends for them down the stretch. I think that as long as you have Andy Reid, as long as you have Pat Mahomes you're still going to be a viable threat in the AFC West or the AFC for that matter. So that's why I'm not totally surprised that Kansas City is now 2-0 going into week three, right now being the only undefeated team within the division. It's not surprising uh, completely just because this, this AFC West is so stacked from top to bottom with four teams who are really good. Somebody's going to have to be the four team. I hope it's not my Raiders, uh, but uh, it's something that's not completely surprising just because Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, that duo together, that's been winning for several years now, and I think that you're going to be seeing them also uh, several years from now winning in the same, in the same regard. Uh, lots of people out there saying that after seeing what the Chargers have been doing, that Brandon Staley is being a wimp. What happened to all the fourth and two going for it on the plus territory? Your thoughts? Oh, <laughs> I think it just goes to show that Brandon Staley probably has more faith in his defense now, more mm. so than anything. Now you've got ah. Derwin James back healthy. you got J.C. Jackson over there at the corner. you got Khalil Mack now to go ahead and pair with an already stud Joey Bosa. So that's, to me, I take it more as that, having more faith in the defense and not feeling 
like I have to be as aggressive going for fourth down after fourth down after fourth down. And now I can just simply play to my defense and let them go ahead and take care of business. You know, it's funny. It's all results driven because earlier in the game, the Chiefs and Andy Reid with an awesome offense on a fourth and one decided to kick a field goal. People don't remember that, you know, afterward. Like, if they kick a field goal and then they go on to lose, I wonder how many people would have said Andy Reid was being a wimp with the powerhouse offense going for a field goal instead of punching it in. Yeah, you know, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, yeah. and it's very easy to be a Monday Monday morning quarterback, or should I say a Friday morning quarterback. So <laughs> anytime somebody has to make a split-second decision and it does not go the right way, you're always going to have the naysayers, the detractors that are going to sit up and they're going to malign his decision. So it's pretty much one of those things that you, you almost really can't win because if you make that decision and you're aggressive, obviously you should have been more uh, conservative. You shouldn't have done that. And then if you're conservative, people are going to tell you you should have been aggressive. So honestly, from a from a head coaching standpoint, I would imagine their, uh, their train of thought is you simply can't win, so you just have to go and trust your gut in that moment. Raiders this week have to be better with protection for Carr than they were last week. Last week was a disaster. Carr, check that, Mac. And Bosa just did whatever they wanted. When you watch that game, is that an O-line issue? Is that a car not getting the ball out in time issue? Or is it a play-calling issue? I think it's all three. I think Carr has to be cognizant that his offensive line is below average. So he's got to have that internal clock that's usually four seconds. For him, it's got to be about two and a half or three seconds. I think that also play calling. You need to go ahead and make sure that there's some max protect. Get the ball out quick. Three-step drop, not the five-step, seven-step drop because your offensive line is not able to hold up. So I think that also when you add those two factors with a ferocious pass rush with the Los Angeles Chargers, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and all those boys. That's where I think that it's just kind of like the perfect storm. You already have the play calling that is not where it needs to be for this situation, for this type of offensive line. Derek Carr, there have been years past where he has been maligned for simply not getting the ball out quick, being a little bit passive or being conservative and things like that, not necessarily pulling the trigger right away. And then you factor in this defense with the Los Angeles Chargers, and it was just pretty much kind of like the perfect storm in week one. Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider, is up with Cofield and company on ESPN Las Vegas. And now they're dealing with some injury issues at center with Andre James uh, along the offensive line and some other spots. You got – uh, Brandon Bolden may be out for the game, so Zamir White could be in tandem with Josh Jacobs. So everyone's got to kind of nut up now. And, you know, the biggest thing on the protection for me is when Carr does get pressure and when Carr does get hit, I don't know how you change this, but the numbers are pretty disturbing, Stanford. When Carr gets uh, sacked, he does fumble the ball more than almost anyone else in the league since 2014. How does he get better with ball security this far into his career? He just got to simply make sure that he holds on to the ball. Uh, you know, I think that uh, there's probably some drills that they could probably put him through with things like that. But just the awareness, you got to understand that after about three and a half, four seconds, my dad always told me this ever since I was a little boy, that after about three and a half, four seconds, you need to either A, be trying to find a way to get out of the pocket, let go of the ball, something because that pass rush is coming. You may not feel it. You may not see it, but that pass rush is coming. So it would behoove you to make sure that you find a way to either get your legs moving or you better get that arm moving, at least just throw the ball away. That way you can go ahead and try to lessen the amount of sacks, thus also 
you putting the ball in you putting the ball in harm's way as far as a potential uh, strip sack fumble things like that so that's why you see certain quarterbacks like a Tom Brady or like a Drew Brees they just simply just get down because anything can happen whenever you get sacked you could get injured they could go ahead and jar the ball loose now it's a turnover you just compounded several mistakes all into one so you got to make sure that it's a quarterback you got to be the smartest guy on the football field and you have to always put your team in a situation put them in a position so they can be successful what's the best approach defensively to slowing a guy down and you know not getting beat uh, on the run against a dude like Kyler Murray Oh, man, I think that uh, guys like Kyler Murray, you have to find a way to still be able to pressure him but also keep contained because guys like him, whenever they leave the pocket, that's where they're truly, truly deadly. So it's a bit of an intricate task for the defensive line who want to still be able to make sure they pressure him but also not get up the field too far to go ahead and open up some of those run lanes. So you want to make sure that you never get deeper than the quarterback if you're an edge rusher because you still want to be able to peel back and be able to go ahead and make the tackle if he tries to evade the pass rush. Real quick, Sanford, uh, Chandler Jones told us this week that him and Cliff Kingsbury were texting, and Cliff said, don't take offensive if we double and triple team you. How dangerous is that when you got Max Crosby on the other side? Oh, and that's exactly why they bought Chandler Jones in, because now you're not going to be able to just shift the line, shift the protection all to just one person. you got to kind of sort of pick your poison, much like how the L.A. Rams took off last year when Von Miller entered the fold, because now you can't just shift everything to an Aaron Donald. Now you got to worry about Von Miller, ferocious pass rusher as well, and that's exactly the good problem the Las Vegas Raiders have with the Chandler Jones and a Max Crosby, because with both of them being on opposite sides, you really just have to pick your poison and just bank on, hope and pray that one of your tackles is able to block somebody one-on-one. You're calling the Arkansas game tomorrow, right? Yeah, Arkansas-Missouri State. Can Missouri State, it's actually, it's not a gigantic spread. I mean, it's over three touchdowns, but can Missouri State keep the game close? I mean, hopefully they can. You know, like I said, uh, anytime you got a power five, uh, school going against an FCS school, you know, things always get a little bit dicey, get a little bit hairy. But when you look at Appalachian State versus yep. Texas A&M just last week, it shows that any given Saturday, anything can happen, fellas. Yeah, as it turns out, North Dakota State is probably the best FCS program. They're actually favored on the road tomorrow night against Arizona. So, <laughs> and the SAS teams are, they do close. There are some of them, some of the programs are closing the distance between. Uh, themselves and Power 5. Stanford, enjoy the trip uh, to call the Arkansas game. We'll talk to you next week. You guys be good, man. Talk to you next week. Be safe. There he is. Stanford route right here on Cofield and Company. We're going to talk to another former Raider in about 15 minutes, a former Raiders quarterback, Saints quarterback Aaron Brooks. He's on the way. But first, first, Willie has some college football picks. And, by the way, college football about to kick off here. Mountain West opponents, Air Force and Wyoming in about 30 minutes, and Florida State and Louisville in less than five. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island. We're not going to all of a sudden change our message, our approach, or the way we practice just because we won a couple of games. I mean, we've won a couple of games because we've practiced hard and we've had a good approach, but other teams are going to improve too. And if you want to be great, you want to be one of the teams there uh, at the end competing for a championship, you have to get better throughout the year. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Hey, we're tracking college football tonight. That was Lincoln Riley, USC. 
Could be a really interesting game tomorrow against a high-powered Fresno offense led by Jake Hayner. FSU Louisville has kicked off. Like I said, Air Force Wyoming coming up in just a couple of minutes. My God! I don't know how you do it as a writer. And I couldn't do it as a writer. That's why I'm not writing anymore. But the, I don't do the it. Spelling errors infuriate me. I just got an answer to an email from three days ago, and I spelled engineer with two N's at the end somehow. And it just really set me off. Really set me off. All right. Focus, focus, focus. Rebels play in North Texas. Yeah. The number's three. I'm laying it. You're very confident. I do. I really like the Rebels. Tomorrow. Okay. I just think that North Texas doesn't come in with a defensive mindset. I think that they want to, that they, they, they're looking to get into a shootout. They think that they can overpower teams with their offense, and I think that they're going to come in thinking this is just the pushover UNLV Rebels, and I think that UNLV is going to be playing with a chip on its shoulder after coming very close to it in a game that a lot of people, including themselves, think that it should have won. So I think on the home field, Last time they were there, they lit it up. I think Brumfield's going to have a much better game, and I, I think that North Texas is going to have its guard down, and I like UNLV to win the game and cover. What, the, uh, what is the total you're saying? As of right now, let me get the updated total here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Oh, boy. <coughs> 63 and a half. Look up music. All right, over, under. Oh, I like it over. How, wow. Because, because, because here's the thing is – UNLV's defense, I, I think that they're still – we saw what Idaho State did, right, in terms of running the ball. So I think that North Texas is going to have somewhat of its way. I don't think it's going to just bully UNLV around. But I think the shootout that, that they're going to intend to sort of invite UNLV within, UNLV is going to welcome that, and I think they're going to outshoot them. I think that both teams are capable of putting 30, you know, 30 points on the board. I think it's going to be a high-scoring, exciting game. The UNLV ends up winning something like you know, some weird 42-33, 42-31 type game. BYU getting three and a half against Oregon. I like the Cougars. I think that B- BYU went undefeated against Pac-12 last year, first of all. Um, and I think that there's a little bit – you know, something to be said, they, they they blast South Florida in the opener. Something to be said about sort of stunning ninth-ranked Baylor last week, double overtime. They really got lucky in escaping with that win. Um, Jaron Hill, confident, 7-1 and when facing Power 5 teams as a starter, 3-0 and when facing ranked teams. Um, I, I, I like BYU to go up there. I think they're going to be a little bit more prepared to challenge Oregon, so I'm taking BYU. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. The quarterback position has about 20 guys that can play better than he can play it. And some of them are backups. The Cleveland Browns couldn't have got a better gift for Christmas this year. Hey, y'all want to see why we did it? We're going to play against the guy we traded away that you guys are saying we shouldn't have traded away. And you see how bad he is? Look at him. Look at the interception. Look at the missed throws. And guess what? The Cleveland Browns with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Nick Chubb their way to a W. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Wow. Richard Sherman bringing the hammer on Baker Mayfield. Let's talk quarterbacking. The Raiders, the Saints, the NFL. Nice enough to join us here on a Friday is a former Raiders quarterback, former Saints QB, Packers as well, a Virginia Cavalier. Aaron Brooks is up with Willie and Cofield. How are you, sir? What's up? What's up? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, fellas. What are you doing on this Friday? Are you watching football? Are you hanging out? What's going on? 
<laughs> Watch a little bit of college football. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We got uh, Louisville and Florida State going at it. So good game there. So I wanted to get your reaction. I don't know if you can hear Richard Sherman on the way back, but he was just annihilating Baker Mayfield. Uh, you feel the same way about <laughs> Baker Mayfield that he's kind of a poser and he's he's not a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. No, I tend to stay out of that, man. Everybody's, <laughs> you know, everybody's, uh, you know, have their their own opinion. So, you know, I just listen and carry on. The sport is already tough enough. So, you know, I guess the guy got some bad luck going on right now. Well, I mean, it's only one game in, uh, and the Panthers fell a little short against the Browns. And you kind of wonder what the Browns are going to do until Deshaun Watson is back. As uh, Jacoby Brissett has bounced around the league. I don't think he's considered a, a great quarterback. What do you think the Browns are going to do? Because they, they have a good defense and they have a hell of a running game. Yeah, I think um, uh, Jacoby can hold them down until um, Deshaun, see what they can get from Deshaun uh, Watson, that is. Uh, I think he's. I think Jacoby's a solid, solid quarterback. I think they have enough pieces to uh, <clears throat> be in any game that they play, and I think their defense is pretty solid, too. So I think the pieces are there. Um, and I think Kobe uh, can hold it down until uh, they see what um, how far Deshaun Watson can take them. Did you get a chance to watch any Thursday night football with the Chiefs and the Chargers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good. It was a good one. There, there's a lot of storylines in that game. Uh, first of all, the Chiefs defense did a really good job, and I think the Chiefs kind of did what a lot of people did to the Chiefs a year ago, and that is, hey, we're going to give you the underneath stuff. But for the most part, we're not going to give you anything downfield. And, and Herbert had a good game, but, you know, only a couple of explosive plays. Um, that defense does seem to work against high-powered teams, so you wonder what the next adjustment is going to be on offense for both teams. Yeah, and, and, and that is the right way to play a high-explosive offense is to basically uh, make them work for everything they get. So, you know, Taking everything underneath is the right move and not giving up those big plays. Uh, I thought the Chargers played well enough to win the game but didn't execute down the stretch. And obviously, Justin got, got a little banged up. Yeah. It helped with the favor. But, um, you know, with the experience, I think he'll, you know, he'll play a lot better. But, you know, all in all, I think the AFC West is pretty trunk tight. I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Um, as all four teams compete for that one spot coming or two spots coming out of the AFC West. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are hoping for three or four spots, but uh, it's going to be <laughs> going to be pretty cutthroat the division. Um, as far as quarterbacks around the league, we're talking Aaron Brooks, former NFL quarterback with the Raiders, the Saints, and the Packers. Are those two guys we saw last night the two best quarterbacks in the league, Justin Herbert and Mahomes, or you got to slip in Josh Allen? Is Rodgers still there? Like, what's your pecking order? Uh, you know, amongst like the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't really have a pecking order, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm a fan of the NFL being once a quarterback in the league. But, you know, they, they them, the two of them are definitely uh, at the top. And I think they're at the top of anybody list. You look at the youth, youthfulness of uh, Justin Herbert, you can't deny his skill set. And then obviously with the success uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahone has had, I can't deny that. I, I, I think, um, you know, um, as you mentioned, Buffalo with uh, Josh Allen, he's 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 tough. I think Mariota is making a um, making Whoa. a push for his team to get back out there. All right. I, I think he's he's finally found a home that maybe he can be a little more successful. 
Um, not saying that he's one of the top guys, but I mean, obviously, you got the obvious, obvious with um, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be a tough year if they can't get their stuff together. And I think that the key to quarterback in, the, in that league is having good receivers and great offensive lines to block for you. And um, that combination will make any quarterback look good. But you know, I think the NFL is in a good position right now in terms of quarterbacks. And there's always going to be a probably five or six teams that need need, need a quarterback at that on their team. So um, I think it's going to be a fun year. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about the local one, Derek Carr. Last week, 17 targeted uh, passes to Devontae Adams. Obviously, Josh McDaniels wanted to take the shiny new vehicle out for a ride. Six targets to Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I asked them about that, both Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, this this week at media availability, in terms of balancing out the distribution. And they said, you know, it just happens naturally. It's organic. You never know what's going to take place. As a quarterback, when you're approaching the line of scrimmage, you're reading the defense, how do you know when and how you're going to, you know, make those adjustments? A lot of times the defense dictate where you're going to go with the ball, but more importantly, <laughs> your offense is going to dictate get the ball. Um, they, obviously, the Raiders have a lot of great talent at the receiver position, um, but they just got to figure out who's going to be that number one guy. Everybody can't be the number one guy, and there's only one football out there. And so when it's uh, crunch time, they got to go to their best receiver, and I think they brought Devontae Adams in for that for that reason. Um, but you can't force the ball to him because everybody's going to know. And then, again, the, the coverage is going to dictate a lot of that. I mean, they may be double-teaming him that day. Then the next player, got Riffro got to step up, or Waller got to step up. Uh, so uh, the key is not to turn the ball over, take what the defense gives you, and uh, hopefully come out uh, with a win because the talent is there. Speaking of former NFL quarterback Aaron Brooks here on Cofield and Company at ESPN 1100, and that's exactly what McDaniel said. He said, "You know what? He's always he said this. I've always said that the defense gets a vote as far as where the ball is going to go." So, um, in watching a little bit of last week, I'm not sure if you watched the game, how much you did, Raiders Chargers, but you know the offensive line that's been the big question mark coming into this season. But the pocket collapsing around Derek Carr. The other thing is, did he get rid of the ball? You know, did he or didn't he get rid of the ball fast enough? Did the offensive line sort of let them in too quick? What were your thoughts if you if you happen to see um, any parts of that game? Well, yeah, I saw some of the game. I think it's it's important to understand that um, <clears throat> you know the mystique of being the Raiders always want to push the ball downfield. So we don't know if they were trying to go go downfield quite often to try to get the big shots, which ultimately will put pressure on the offensive line trying to maintain no blocks or the fact that, that they didn't do a good job in the passing game itself. But one thing that can help all of that is being on the ball. And I think if they stick with the run game a little more, a little more than those passes that start happening downfield, whether they want to go over the top or intermediate pass. So um, it, it's kind of hard to say without seeing the film study based off just one game. So I want to give those guys some credit at this point. So, you know, but if they can – push that running game down there, down down some teams folks a little more, I think they'll get exactly what they want, when they want in the passing game if they can do that. Aaron Brooks with us. What do you think of the Raiders being here in Vegas now? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I, I mean, I really love being in, in Oakland. Um, just such a great city. But also, you know, you put a team in Vegas. 
I mean, what other team is fit for Vegas? And right. I think Raider, the Raiders really fit that mode of uh, being in uh, being in Las Vegas. So uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Why looking did, forward to um, looking keep going. forward to being. Yeah, keep going, Aaron. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Keep going. No, I was just saying. I'm just looking forward to catching a couple of things. I haven't had the, the fortune raising some raising my kids right now to make a, several games, but I look forward to being in the in the stadium. How fun was it to play the majority of your career in New Orleans? It was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. It was, New Orleans, obviously, is a unique, unique place to be. They have some of the greatest fan base uh, in, the, in, the, in the country, in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I had a great time there, man. I, I really did. I really did. I, uh, the culture was amazing to me. It was a, it was a shocker to me, but, you know, it's fun times. Let the good times roll, and that's what we tried to do. What was your uh, what was your favorite food? Your favorite dish in New Orleans? Uh, shrimp and toupee. There you go. <laughs> well, Aaron, October thirtieth, Raiders at New Orleans. If you were to go down there, who are you cheering for? Uh oh, uh oh. I think I'm gonna uh, have a, a a polo shirt, a black polo shirt <laughs> with a Saints logo on the front and a Raider <laughs> on the back, and some shrimp and toupee in your in, your, in the bowl. <laughs> there you go. Aaron Brooks with us. Well, think about this. So that's October 30th. You know it. Um, and I'm a little familiar with New Orleans because I, I usually go down once a year on vacation. But uh, that's going to be Raiders fans in New Orleans. And it's right around Halloween. And you know how crazy Halloween is in yes. New Orleans. <laughs> the black hole will be out, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's going to be freaking Totally awesome. Totally awesome. Aaron Brooks with us. Uh, before we get you out of here, I wanted to ask you uh, well, one more NFL question. Uh, you played for Art Shell, and the year you guys had was a rough year, 2-14, um, and 14, and you know, Art was kind of on the bounce back. Um, what was the difference? I'm sure they were different guys. What was the difference between playing for a guy like Jim Hazlitt and a guy like Art Shell? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's an unfair question or not. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess both players, both coaches were player coaches. Um, you know, to be honest, I thought um, I'm going to be a little biased because I'm uh, um, being a black quarterback, having an opportunity to play for a black coach. That was um, kind of special in my eyes because um, I got drafted by Ray Rose in Green Bay. Yep. And, Ray got fired after one year, and I thought that was pretty cool. But, I mean, nothing to take away from from Hazlitt. Uh, I thought uh, both teams were very uh, – co- coached very well and had really good talent. Um, unfortunately, uh, neither team um, with me at the helm was able to uh, get to a final destination with the Super Bowl. So, but it was enjoyable. I, I enjoyed my time. My question for you is, Aaron, that year you spent with – uh, Oakland, you, you played with our just a guest we just had on Stanford route, but you also played on the offense with one of the greatest receivers of all time, Randy Moss. Yeah. What yeah. did you take? I mean, in 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 having him as a target, what did you take from playing with ha- him as a as a target, just in general? Uh, he's special, special one of a kind um, receiver, chance uh, of a lifetime dream. Um, it was it was crazy, but one I think one of the biggest things 
that most players probably didn't recognize or realize or understand about uh, about Moss was that um, no matter how talented he was, he still needed someone to do the dirty work on the other side. So if he was the number one receiver, he needed a number two. So he needed a, he always said Batman always needed Robin. And so if you look at his career, he always had somebody on the other side to really take some of the attention away from him so he can get down and do the things that he does best. And um, I thought that was very unique playing with such a talent as um, Randy Moss. Um, phenomenal guy, crazy athlete. Um, but that was probably the biggest thing that I, I learned and realized um, being a Raider along with him. Well, Aaron, we're glad you're doing well. Thanks for the conversation today. Hope to get you on down the road uh, in the future. And thanks for your time, man. That was excellent. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. Thanks for having me on. You guys take care. You too. There he is. Aaron Brooks, former NFL quarterback with the Raiders, the Saints, drafted by the Packers. Reminder, reminder, breakfast is now in full effect oh. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at Treasure Island. We've got four different menu items we've added. Breakfast starts at 9.30, so you got all the big games kicking off at 9. And then Willie and Gooch are doing the live show here every Saturday on ESPN Las Vegas, live from Treasure Island, 9A to 11.